Good morning. Thank you, Pastor John, for the invitation today. Uh, I'm honored to be here, and I really just want to reflect Jesus this morning. Um, I thought I would share a little bit about myself before I start my timer. I know that time is important. I heard the other church is a real stickler on the transition. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But uh, I was born and raised in the city. I was actually born at Episcopal Hospital right there on Lehigh. So I am a miracle from God. <laughs> Hallelujah. I did go to public school here in Philadelphia. Uh, I did graduate from Mass Bomb on Frankfurt and Clementine. Uh, then I went to the main campus of Penn State University where I got a marketing degree. Um, later got an MBA from LaSalle. And I worked at Cardone Industries in sales and marketing for about 13 years. Then I worked at New York Life and then full-time vocational ministry. While I was still young at Cardone, I met my wife at a youth rally, and that was a glorious day. Uh, we've been married over 27 years. We have three sons, one's in college, one in high school, one in middle school. Um, we've been pastoring Urban Worship Center. I don't know exactly how many years it is, but my mom and my stepdad are the founders of Urban Worship Center that, that started on Kensington and Haggart. Started as a storefront, started as a, uh, a social outreach, and many drug addicts, many prostitutes, and their clients. That was the craziest Wednesday night Bible study when I had an ex-prostitute and one of her clients in a Bible study. Um, but Jesus does crazy things when you serve him and you're faithful to him. I'm probably leaving out some things, but uh, I'm honored to be here today. I just want to share also that for us to be sharing the building is not a small thing. It's a God thing. Uh, when we were in the storefront, we outgrew that quickly and we shared a building with another church and um, we learned a lot. We were a young congregation. We were very bad tenants, um, immature. We've grown a long, a long, long way. And we know what it's like to share the building. Then we, when we started renting from Union Tabernacle, who was the previous owner of this building, uh, there were four ministries sharing this building, very uncomfortable. And the moment that we purchased it, it went down to two, and a year and a half later, we were alone. And we were very, very comfortable. Uh, so when Elder Glenn McDowell, somehow God connected us through Marco Polo app, and it was just crazy. And uh, this is a God thing. And so we're learning, and we hope, we know that, we, you know, the, the, I guess, it's not I guess, the connection with the neighborhood that has gentrified and changed so drastically. You know, right behind us used to be a crack house, and now it's a high rent house. So I welcome you to check our mission statement on our website, because everything that we said 15 years ago is coming to pass now. 
And prayer is one of my favorite topics. So I'm going to start my timer. Praise God. And that reminds me of the one time I did preach for Union Tabernacle. Uh, they had an elder named Don Vandervetter. I'll never forget him. Sweet man of God. And, uh, you know, we, we typically go a little longer. They, they stay to the schedule. And um, he said, Pastor, you can preach as long as you want. But we're leaving in 20 minutes. <laughs> but I want to make a confession as a, a believer for over 30 years, a pastor for at least 15 years. And uh, I had the thought long ago, not long ago, why spend so much time in prayer? And I know there's Bible verses. I'm going to share them as we go. I told the Lord, I said, Lord, we're going to spend eternity together. Why spend so much time praying while on this earth? I forgot to tell you that I do have a doctorate of ministry from United Theological Seminary. So I am, and I have equivalency of a master's of divinity. So I did study the Bible, not just business. But why, you know, because these questions might sound like, hey, what's wrong with this guy? But uh, why spam just confessions? Then I was reminded how much time Jesus spent praying. The fact that he is God and scripture documents considerable amounts of time that he spent in prayer. And he prayed so long that the disciples could not even wait with him but would fall asleep. And Jesus gave us an example to follow, instructed us to watch and pray, and gave us a model for prayer. And so as his disciples, we must be faithful to practice this most important discipline of prayer. Jesus spent a lot of his prayer time praying for others. Praying for others. I know, you know, some of us may have not graduated from our Christmas list prayers or our uh, selfish prayers. Jesus spent a lot of time interceding for others. And even today, the Bible documents that he's seated on the right hand of the Father interceding for us. Hallelujah. You're not here by coincidence or by chance. You're not saved out of coincidence or whatever other possibility, somebody prayed for you. Jesus is praying for you and me. There is prayer happening, amen, hallelujah. And God is drawing us to participate in that warfare. An illustration to what our daily prayer should be, I'm reminded a few years ago when our family decided to go to Disney World for a brief vacation. We actually took our kids out of school and went to Disney World to beat the crowds. I did win dad of the year that year. My kids unanimously voted me in. But the day before we were heading to the park, my youngest son, Daniel, he was five or six at the time. He was having trouble with his asthma and we had to find an urgent care in Orlando. And for some reason, without a stethoscope, I thought I could hear something in his chest in the medical room, and I, I put my ear to his chest. 
And Daniel asked me, Dad, Dad, what are you doing? And I said, I, I'm listening to your heart. And then he responded. And when he, when, when he asked me this, the, 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 the floor in the medical room just, there was a seismic shift that happened that just rocked me. And this innocent five, six-year-old voice says, Dad, can I listen to your heart? You really want to know what prayer is? That's exactly what it is. It's getting close enough. It's getting still enough. It's getting quiet enough so you can listen to the Father's heart. And it is then when we, go, we grow closer to our Father. Of course, we need the Word during our prayer. The Word provides the foundation of our faith. It shows us how to pray. We find guidance, hope, courage when we read the Word and our minds and hearts are transformed to be like Jesus. It's necessary to study God's word so that our prayers become effectual and are in alignment with the will of God. It would be so unproductive to pray for things outside of God's will. And it doesn't matter how loud you pray or how long you fast, if it's not his will, let it be. Especially the single folk in the room, doesn't matter how blue his eyes are or her curves. If it ain't God's will, let it go. He has something better. He has something greater. And he will and he will in you and through you. Let me introduce a verse this morning found in Luke 22. To show the seriousness of this matter of prayer, it declares in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to have you, to sift you like wheat. But I have pleaded in prayer for you that your faith should not completely fail. So when you have repented and turned again, Strengthen and build up the faith of your brothers. Simon said, Lord, I am ready to go to jail with you. I'm even ready to die with you. But Jesus said, Peter, let me tell you something. Between now and tomorrow morning when the rooster crows, you will deny me three times, declaring that you don't even know me. Let's be clear this morning that the enemy has a three-point plan. The Bible says that he has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Jesus said, I have come to give life and that you may have life abundantly. But the enemy, he doesn't play fair. He doesn't just want to beat you by a little bit. He just doesn't want you to have a bad day. He wants to destroy. He, he doesn't want to edge out a small victory. He wants to humiliate you. And we have a real enemy. 
And it's not your spouse or your in-laws. His name is Satan. And he wants to just utterly destroy you. We all know that the words of Jesus came to pass and Peter indeed denied the Lord. And Pastor John, you probably didn't learn this at Westminster, but you need to know that Peter was the one Puerto Rican disciple. <laughs> I mean, he was the one ready to fight. He was the one that cut the guard's ear off. He said, Jesus, man, we, we'll go to jail. I'll die with you. On another occasion when Jesus told the disciples to cast their net on the other side of the boat, it was Peter who tried to explain to Jesus, hey man, that ain't going to work. See, Joel Osteen likes to start his sermons with something funny. I'll interject it anywhere. I feel it's appropriate. But we can imagine how Peter may have felt at the time. Defeated condemned, a failure, disqualified. And what's so fascinating to me about the scripture is that Jesus knew Peter would fall before he fell. He also knew that he would not utterly fall. I guess there's a difference between falling and falling. There's falling that you can still get back up, and there's falling where you're just destroyed. So Jesus interceded. Jesus did war in the heavenlies against the enemy because the devil wanted to destroy Peter, but Jesus prayed, and because he did, Peter did fall, but not utterly fail. And Jesus prayed for Peter, not just for him, not to utterly fail, but to be built up for a purpose. See, when God restores us, when God builds us back up, it's not just so that we can be happy. There's a purpose in that restoration. There's a purpose in that redemption, and that is to impact somebody else's life. Let me read Mark 16. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side. The woman was shocked, but the angel said, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Now go tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there, just as he told you before he died. So from the words of this angel, it is implied that the disciples, including Peter, are now forgiven and would be restored to fellowship with Jesus and their places of leadership. See, it wasn't just Jesus, it, just, it, was, it wasn't just Peter that denied Christ. They all were afraid. They all abandoned the Lord. And I know I've got to be sensitive to time here. 
But as we read in the scriptures, we know that disciples believed that report. And they later encountered Jesus. They were given instruction to wait in Jerusalem. And there they waited and they prayed and the day of Pentecost came and the disciples there received a boldness that they didn't have before. They received a boldness from heaven to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we see that on that special day, there were many unchurched people who didn't understand what was going on with this group and, and, and they had just received the Holy Spirit so they began to make fun and make false accusations about them and accuse them. They said they must be drunk. But now, this same Peter who made some big mistakes, this Peter that denied Christ three times. This, this Peter is now filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and begins to address the crowd filled with critics. You can read all that he said later in Acts chapter 2, but I want to highlight a few verses starting at verse 36. It says, so let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified to be both Lord and Messiah. Peter's words pierced their hearts. And they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God. And be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away. All who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. And those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. What we see here is the power of prayer and intercession. That the Peter that once denied Christ, the Peter that questioned Jesus' command, is now the disciple that God uses to lead 3,000 people to Christ after one preaching. And so I want to encourage us this day to pray and remain connected to the Father. And to graduate from selfish Christmasless prayers and be able to intercede for others because that is the heart of the Father. And God hears those prayers of intercession. Someone has to war in the heavenlies against the enemy. Someone has to take authority over the principalities and powers that are against us because we have a real enemy. But the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through the pulling down of strongholds. And everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ has to come into the obedience of his word. And in these days, we need to pray like never before. 
Because the enemy will always be there trying to intimidate you, trying to accuse you, trying to intimidate you, trying to hurt you. And if we're not prayed up, he's looking for that missing, that weakest link. He doesn't play fair. And one thing I, I, I learned about the enemy, he's environmentally friendly. Why? Because he uses the same tricks over and over. He uses the same strategies over and over. And we keep falling to the same strategy over and over. I also want to encourage those who may feel like the defeated Peter this morning. Maybe if you've fallen and you feel like you can't get up. Maybe you feel like you're disqualified. But I would be remiss if I didn't tell you today that it's not too late. The fact that you're hearing this message today, the fact that you're still breathing, the fact that you can still fog a mirror means that God is not done with you. That what God has started in you, he's faithful to complete. You're not disqualified. We serve a God who forgives. We serve a God who heals. We serve a God who restores. And I'm telling you today, you're just a whisper away from moving forward with the one who loves you more than you can understand. You're just a whisper away to stop hearing the voice of the enemy and listen to the voice of the great good shepherd. Hallelujah. So I want to close this morning by leading us in prayer. Hallelujah. I want to close this morning by allowing God to speak to us through prayer and receive from him in this hour. Just humble your heart right where you are. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this glorious morning. We thank you that your mercies are new, that your steadfast love never comes to an end. Lord, we can only talk and preach about prayer so much. We, we need to do it. We need to exercise it. And Lord, we know that as we do it more, we'll be more effective and more fruitful in how we pray. Lord, we pray and intercede, Lord, for Liberty River Wards. Lord, that your will would be done. Lord, that you would be pleased with their sacrifice, with their service. That you would strengthen their hands and prosper everything that they put their hands to do. Lord, that you would use them as a light in this dark world. Father, bless their leadership. Bless Pastor John and his family. Bless the elders and the deacons. Bless those that are willing to serve, my God. Father, that all would be fruitful. Lord, you said in your word to pray for the laborers, Lord, because the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Heavenly Father, just spur them, Lord, to, to serve you even more heartily like never before. Protect them from the evil one.
Protect them and guard them, Lord, with a hedge of protection from on high. And Father, loose that boldness and that strength, Lord, in the name of Jesus, in the name above every other name, in the name that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we take authority over every wicked thought. We take authority over every strategy of the wicked one to bring division, to bring temptation, to bring intimidation. We take authority over every strategy, not by might or by power, but by your spirit and by the authority found in your word, the authority in your name. In that precious name we pray, the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen.